Welcome to Up in the Sky, aviation and travel podcast. Stay tuned for up-to-date aviation and travel news, followed by this week's topic of discussion. Now here's your host, Ebony J. everyone and welcome to episode three of up in the sky aviation and travel podcast with me ebony i hope you're all having a great week and thanks for tuning into the podcast so let's get things started and head into some aviation and travel news First up with some aviation news from Spain and their national carrier Iberia, which is part of the IAG group of airlines that have airlines such as Welling, British Airways and Level. So Iberia has announced that they are introducing a new fare called the Comfort Fare that will be available over their whole entire route network. So this new type of fare is mainly aimed at economy passengers and will give them access to a range of benefits that include seat selection, including their extra large seats. Their boarding passes will actually be available to download and print straight after purchase, which I would really love. And they can get on board the aircraft with priority boarding before others. And in terms of their bookings for COVID passengers, they will be able to change their flight only once without any penalty. And if they did decide to cancel due to COVID, they would receive a 100% refund if traveling long haul and 80% refund if traveling short haul. So the fare is hoping to give passengers comfort and flexibility. And it went live, I think it was last Wednesday. Yeah, March the 10th last Wednesday. So it would be interesting to get data of how this fare is doing, if it has, if people actually buy the fare compared to normal lower economy fare. And could be interesting to see if other airlines within the IAG group actually pursue this sort of fare. It'd be interesting for British Airways definitely to do that kind of fare. So now over to another continent in Asia. And it was announced this week that Malaysian low-cost airline Air Asia are planning on launching both an air taxi service and also a train delivery service. And they'll be the first in Malaysia. So this is being planned by the airline to sort of get revenue up after losing a fifth of its airline revenue since the November quarter. And it's looking to raise about 2.5 billion, hopefully to boost up that revenue to normal levels. So the group has, has announced that their air taxi service will hopefully be sort of a logistic step for the emergent lifestyle market brand. And the air taxis will consist of a small aircraft with space for one pilot and four passengers. And that could be hailed for a ride from the Air Asia app. Sort of like an Uber, but up in the sky, which is really cool to think about. And CEO Fernandez has announced that they are looking to start this up within the tw- next 12 to 18 months. Now, I'm not sure what to think about air taxis. I do feel that it will not make much money as they have to rent out private aircrafts and all these other costs. So for the majority of people, it may not be an option, but you never know. It would be great to see figures, the figures once 
it's up and running, I'm guessing. So I did read up about an airline recently called Waves that started in my favourite place, Guernsey, the Channel Islands, in 2016. So it was sort of meant to be an air taxi airline, sort of like the AirAsia plan, going to destinations in France and other islands in the Channel, such as Alderney and Jersey. So the airline did make about 100 commercial flights between Guernsey and Jersey throughout their time but however in 2018 their competitor Blue Island who also fly around the Channel Islands actually filed a lawsuit which sort of meant that Wave had to get customers to hire the entire aircraft instead of just sort of paying for individual seats like a commercial aircraft but this was actually quickly reversed two months later after getting a route license from the Aviation Authority but then sadly Waves had to suspend their airlines in June 2018 and unfortunately a few months later they actually went into liquidation. I'm guessing they didn't get as many passenger numbers as they thought they would. So from that experience I don't think taxi air services will make a massive impact in this current time but then thinking about it Waves was in the Channel Islands which has quite a low population compared to Malaysia and you just never know what can happen. So in terms of the drones for AirAsia that they're also planning to set up, they're planning for this to go ahead by hopefully the end of this year under the Teleport Logistics Unit. And it will just be interesting to see how it goes as it's surprising to see an airline actually step up and do such a thing as deliveries. So normally I guess everyone would just expect companies such as Amazon and FedEx to sort of start up this service, which I think they are in the process of doing. So we'll see how it goes but generally in my opinion i wouldn't really trust a drone a drone drone a drone to deliver my parcel but maybe that's just me so back in the uk now and the uk government has announced that they are looking for looking to drop the air passenger duty on domestic flights and maybe lower them on international flight flights and from the budget last week it comes in a bid to reform the air links around the UK. So this came up as a release, a release, a relief for aviation professionals as from last week's budget which I discussed about in my last episode there was nothing said about the aviation industry apart from that air passenger duties were looking to increase by £2 on short horse flights. So to be cut completely would actually really help airlines so Airport Operations Association Chief Karen D has said domestic aviation did suffer a double hit in the last year and with the collapse of Flybeat, which I will talk about later on in this podcast, and also the COVID-19 pandemic, the idea of air passenger duty being dropped offers a glimmer of hope for aviation in the future. However, although it is good news for those within the aviation industry, environmentalists are finding it hard to come to terms with this announcement as they do believe that it's encouraging people to fly sort of more around the UK domestically which of course is Boris Johnson's ambition but with this climate campaigner Jenny Bates has also explained that the climate has been paying the price for cheap air travel over the past few decades and she's stating that the government should sort of look into making public transport such as buses and trains a big thing and make it more affordable and do that instead of sort of lowering the cost of an airplane that causes carbon which I think is a 
good idea. I agree with both sides, as I know it's better for the climate climate if people, instead of flying domestically, domestically did take trains and buses although they do take longer it's the more environmentally environmentally friendly way but it's hard to think that the aviation industry is really struggling like i said in the past episode that we are losing jobs and airlines and aircrafts are being taken out and phased out put into liquidation so i don't know I I feel I feel for both sides but I'm more on the aviation side. So let me know what you think about this new air passenger duty drop on my Instagram page at up in the sky aviation podcast. Forgot the podcast bit at the end. Now for something a bit different with some tourism news actually and that's over in the Caribbean in Puerto Rico. So on a positive note, Puerto Rico has actually seen a rise in tourism, even within the pandemic. But also in Puerto Rico, there are still government guidelines in place with COVID restrictions. So these include 12am to 5am curfews and 50% capacity in all major big venues. But the com- the country is actually seeing country. I think it's a country or is it an island? Not sure. I'm guessing it is a country. So it's seeing a big surge in actual US tourists and they're actually trying to make the most of low cost flights. And I've had a look and it's around $62 one way on a flight from Florida to Puerto Rico, which is really cheap. However, with this increase in tourism, it can increase revenue and help the local economy on the island. There has been a negative side to the tourist rise on the island as tourists are being said to be aggressive and not following the rules so a doorman at the let me pronounce this Canado Vanderbilt hotel has stated that the tourists sort of think they can do whatever they want and he's seen a lot of parties and even fights within the hotel complex so it's also been said that tourists are roaming the streets and not wanting to follow the orders and there are actually videos surfacing on the internet of tourists actually fighting and disrespecting the locals and workers and they're just not wearing their masks and having large gatherings it just sounds like the worst it's not really what tourism really is about so the ceo of discover puerto rico believes that this is due to the u.s residents having sort of gained back their confidence in traveling after the rollout of the vaccine that has been delivered to most u.s residents by now and it is quite scary because with the new variants coming about within Brazil and South Africa, it sort of puts various tourism destinations at risk. So they're sort of urging tourists to participate maybe in more outside events that maybe decrease the spread of COVID. But however, there is a sort of worry within the next few coming weeks and months with spring break on the horizon, which is a popular holiday within the US. So honestly, it doesn't really look good to locals and workers, which is really sad to see. Like, I know it's been a long time since we have been able to travel and you want to enjoy yourself, but people still need to realise that we are still in a pandemic and rules are sort of there for a reason. So if tourists don't follow these rules in Puerto Rico, it really could cause another outbreak on the island, leading to lots of jobs and businesses again. So... I just really hope this doesn't happen in tourism destinations when 
other countries get back on track after COVID. It it would really be such a shame to see because it could just mean that the pandemic will just keep going on and on if there's large gatherings, people don't wear their masks or follow guidelines. So it would just be really sad to see what happens. Hopefully, with warning, tourists can follow the rules and we can get on to the brighter side of the COVID pandemic and tourism can be at an all-time high again. So that concludes the news segment for this week. So now on to our topic of discussion. Right, so now for this week's topic of discussion, I'll be looking at airlines that have gone into administration over the past 10 to 11 years, so since 2010, and that are not flying anymore. So when researching this, I didn't actually realise how many airlines actually we've lost throughout the past 10 to 11 years. So some of these are popular airlines and some of these are even sort of private jet airliners, and there's so many more to talk about. So for this topic of discussion, I think I'll just look at the most well-known airlines that we have sadly lost over the time. So starting with 2010 and the loss of Mexicana Airlines. So this was the oldest airline in Mexico, which was a member of the Star Alliance Group from 2000 to 2004. And then the One World Alliance Group for its last years in service. So hopefully in a future episode, I will go over the airline alliances, hopefully in more detail. But Mexicana was founded in 1921 and offered domestic services throughout Mexico and also international services within North America, Europe and also the Caribbean. And it even had a frequent flyer scheme called Mexicana Go. So throughout their last year, they were able to carry over 11 million passengers passengers and use 110 aircraft from its fleet from its fleet the airline even created two smaller airlines so subsidiary airlines which were mexicana click formed in 2005 that was a low-cost regional airline serving mexico's domestic routes and then mexicana link formed in 2009 that served as sort of a feeder promoting to the target market that was basically way too small to fly on a large aircraft so they mainly use their Bombardier CRJ 200 aircraft. So unfortunately for Mexicana they had to enter and file for bankruptcy protection and that was after low revenue and they were wanting to sort of restructure their business but in late August of the same year they had to suspend flights and cease operations and that included the airlines Mexicana Link and Mexicana Click that they had to cease operations that happened a few months later. So they were trying to restart the airline after it ceased operations with 11 routes planned on its network in 2011. But businessman Ivan Barona was trying to invest about 400 million to bring more aircraft and open more routes for the airline. But unfortunately, Barona didn't actually meet the conditions that he had planned and the plans for this airline were later terminated. There has been other goes to try and restart Mexicana, but these have also been unsuccessful. So I do know that Aeromexico is definitely the more popular and well-known airline for Mexico now. 
maybe in the future I'd love to try a trip to Mexico one day. It doesn't really excite me much as places like Australia and Iceland, but Mexico would definitely be quite a good place to travel to. Okay, and for our next airline that went bust in 2012 is a group of airlines from the UK that is BMI. So the airline stand for BMI actually stands for British Midlands International. And the main airline was founded in 1938 and has their main office near East Midlands Airport in Castle Donington, which is quite near Derby. And their main airport bases were in London Heathrow, which actually at their prime time held 13% of Heathrow slots, which is interesting to know as competition for Heathrow Airport is massive. So the airline was part of the Star Alliance group from 2000 to 2012 and had an aircraft fleet of around 27 aircrafts, including the A319, A320, A321 and A330, which served various routes in Europe, North of Africa and North America. So like Mexicana, the airline also had two subsidiary airlines. So these were BMI Regional, or it would be, become BM, Fly BMI later to some people and that was formed in 1987 which mainly flew to destinations in Europe and also domestic routes in the UK and had bases in Aberdeen, Brussels, Bristol, East Midlands, Munich and Newcastle. And then the second airline was called Be My Baby. I remember the tails being like a face of a baby which always seemed weird to me but the airline was formed in 2002 and had their main bases in Birmingham and East Midlands airports. So BMI Baby was the low cost subsidiary and it flew to a range of European destinations on their main fleets of Boeing 747s. But in April 2012, the IAG group, which I explained owned British Airways, Welling and Level, actually took over the BMI group and then a month later it was announced that BMI Baby would shut down in September of that year and on the 9th of September the airline actually made their final flight from Malaga to the East Midlands and then a month later BMI International also had their final flight before integrating with British Airways adding numerous destinations to their network. However, it's sort of a different story for BMI Regional, who were brought by the company Sector Aviation Holdings in May 2012, which was when the name was actually changed to Fly BMI, which is known now. The airline was then cooped up with the group that owned Logan Air in 2015, Airlines Investments Limited. But unfortunately, they did actually cease operations in early 2019 after filing for administration, with most of their routes being taken by Scottish airline Loganair. Now, I never really knew BMI actually existed before I started the aviation course, and it kind of confused me about the number of airlines that they did actually have. So it would have been really interesting to see because I was actually quite young at the time that BMI sort of existed and all these subsidiaries it would have been nice to see sort of data of their competition with British Airways being a British airline so I'm quite upset that I didn't actually fly BMI as a kid and also didn't really know about aviation well when the airlines but I could also also do a lot more research within the future about BMI so now over to the US and we're going to start with Continental Airways. 
So this was founded in 1934 with their headquarters in Houston, Texas. And it was a real big major airline for the US flying to so many destinations within the Caribbean, North America, Central America, South America, too many Americas, Asia and Europe. So pretty much everywhere. And for this, they had a massive fleet, which included Boeing 737s, 5767s, 777s, and even 787s, totaling to a massive 348 aircraft. So the airline did have a frequent flyer program called One Pass and was actually part of the Sky Team Alliance from 2004 to 2009, and then from the Star Alliance from 2009 to 2012. So within 2008, the airline was actually in talks of a merger after the, after the announcement that popular airlines Delta and Northwest within America were also merging. But Continental sort of decided to stand alone after having some interest from United. But instead of joining United, they decided to join the Star Alliance group. However, the CEOs of both United and Continental later did sign an agreement to sort of form an alliance. And in 2010, the first logo was introduced, merging both of the airlines together with operations taking place of the merger in 2011. And sadly, on the 30th of November 2011, Continental used the United call sign bringing an end to Continental Airlines. But on a positive on a positive note, United is now actually the third largest largest airline in the world. So maybe it's great to see that even though we lose an airline, a merger can actually be really successful in bringing a massive airline and hopefully bring up levels of passengers and be a great competitor within the US aviation market market. Now onwards to a few years and twenty seventeen and one of the most popular airlines in the UK that we did sadly lose, and that is Monarch. So although I never flew in the airline, it was on my bucket list. I don't know why, but the purple and yellow colours really appealed to me. So I was a bit gutted when they did cease operations. And I remember watching the news and just feeling really sorry for the staff that sadly lost their jobs. So the airline was founded in 1967 and flew all over the place to popular holiday destinations within Europe and they mainly used Airbus A320s and 21s but also sometimes used their Boeing 737s and they operated in bases including Birmingham, Luton, Gatwick and Manchester. So in 2014, it was announced that the airline was looking at a new strategic review after losing a bit of revenue and sadly decided to downsize their fleet while also seizing their long haul destinations and focusing on more short haul destinations to major holiday destinations. So, however, with this in 2016 there were such incidences as the egyptian air crash and also the syrian civil war so it sort of meant that demand to these popular destinations that tourists really like to go to such as egypt and turkey actually fell in passenger numbers and also i think there was a cancellation within flights to egypt from the uk due to the crash so in 26 in 2016 of that year Rumours did surface that Monarch would actually file for bankruptcy, which the airline actually denied at the time, but unfortunately it did come true in October 2017. I think it was a few days after my birthday. 
random fact. When the airline made its final flight from Tel Aviv in Israel to Manchester and at 4am on the 2nd of October, the airline sadly ceased operations and went into administration, leaving a staggering 110 passengers stranded overseas and over 300,000 bookings cancelled within the future. And at the time, this was the biggest airline collapse in history until a certain Thomas Cook did collapse, which I will explain later on. Okay, and now over to Germany in 2017 and the collapse of Air Berlin. So the airline was founded by American company Lelco in 1978 and came to be Germany's second biggest airline just below Lufthansa, which was the top airline, of course, at the time. At first, it became sort of a charter airline for West Berlin passengers to fly to Mediterranean destinations for holidays. And that would be from their main base in Berlin Tegel Airport. I think I said Tegel Airport. I'm going to be upsetting my German friend if I pronounce that wrong. So in 1991, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, Air Berlin was actually brought by a German company and became Air Berlin GmbH and Co. So the airline created two bases at two German airports, Berlin Tegel and Dusseldorf, and joined the One World Alliance within 2012. So before its collapse, the airline had a fleet of about 308 aircrafts, and that consisted of A319s, A320s, A330s, and even the propeller planes, the de Havilland's DHC 8400s, that could seat mainly about 70 to 90 passengers. So Air Berlin in this time flew to nearly every continent, including Europe, Asia, North America, Africa, and also had quite popular domestic routes within Germany. Although flying a high number of passengers, even going up to 35 million within their peak in 2011, the airline did go start going on a downward spiral from 2006, as even though they had a lot of passengers, the cost to run these flights with those passengers did come a bit too much for them, and profits did begin, begin to decrease by 2016. Sorry about my computer going off then. The airline was in debt of up to I say about 781.9 million according to Simple Flying 781.9 million euros that is that's quite a big debt so this actually angered Abu Dhabi airline Etihad as they had actually brought shares in Air Berlin and from this they actually eventually stopped financially supporting Air Berlin and then sadly due to all these financial difficulties and quite low financial support my computer just keeps going off <laughs> in august 2017 the airline collapsed and ceased operations due to entering insolvency proceedings which is quite sad to see as they were quite a popular airline within germany i remember and then after they did actually cease eddie had actually took them to court and made a lawsuit against them due to the complications of the bankruptcy. So that's quite sad to see. I've only been to Germany once and I flew with EasyJet to Berlin. I think I went to Berlin Schoenefeld Airport, but I would have loved to have flown with a German airline. Hopefully Lufthansa might be a good one to fly with maybe within the future. Because I'd love to do their Singapore route. I've seen quite a lot of YouTube videos on that. Right, I'm going off topic here. So now on to our next airline, which 
is Virgin America, over in America, obviously. Now, I was actually astonished to find out years ago, I was playing around with my Flight Raider 24 app, just seeing what airlines were in what countries. And I was shocked to see that Virgin actually had an airline within America. I think all of us in the UK knows Virgin Atlantic so well. And it was even surprising to see that they also had an airline in Australia, which is actually still running and quite a popular low-cost airline within Australia. But back to America. So the airline was founded in 2004 by Richard Branson after the success of Virgin Atlantic, which flies from the UK to American destinations and even to Israel. I think they started a new route with that and India. But back again to America. So Virgin America commenced their operations in 2007 and they mainly focused on low-cost routes around cities within the West Coast. And with their headquarters in San Francisco, which is quite a popular city within the West Coast, the airline had a fleet of about 67 aircraft that included the A319s, the A320s and even the quite new sustainable A320neos. So the airline brought in an average 7 million passengers a year and after trying to focus on the west coast cities the airline actually started to venture out flying to mainly east coast of america and also a few cities such as toronto in canada and cancun and san jose within mexico as well so within 2016 after selling some shares in the airline years before back in 2014 Airline groups such as Alaska Airlines and JetBlue were actually looking into merging with Virgin America. And in April 2016, it was announced that the Alaska Air Group had actually brought the airline for a total of $4 billion that included the airline's debts and also the aircraft leases that the airline had. So shareholders of Virgin America actually approved the merger a few months later in July 2016. But then by September, consumers actually filed a lawsuit against the Alaska Air Group and were hoping to block the merger. But unfortunately, well, fortunately, as they did merge, it was settled three months later and the Department of Justice actually approved the merger of Virgin America and Alaska Airlines. And Virgin America finally made their final flight in quite a quite a long time afterwards in April 2018 where <clears throat> the aircraft flew from San Francisco to LA before rebranding online. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm going off topic with my cough, sir. So their final flight was from San Francisco to LA before rebranding online and throughout their airports as Alaska, Alaska Airlines as their brand. And Alaska Airlines have become actually quite successful since the merger. So it's another, within the US air market again, it's another successful sort of merger that just makes them bigger competitors with each other. Okay, and now we're going to quite a new country that I haven't really spoken about, but I'd love to visit. And that is Iceland. And in 2019, Iceland saw the collapse of WOW Air, which were the pink aircrafts, I think. Yeah, I remember they were pink. The airline was a low-cost carrier based in, let me pronounce this, Keflavik in Iceland and was founded in 2011 before commencing operations a year later in 2012. The airline had quite a small fleet of 10 aircrafts, including the 
again sustainable A321neo and also some A330s. So for an air, low cost airline, they actually flew both long haul and short haul to a range of destinations around Europe, North America and even flew to India. However, I think that only lasted about a month from December 2018 to January 2019. But in 2018, it was announced that rival airline national flag carrier of Iceland, Iceland Air, would actually acquire the capital shares of Wow Air. But the two would still fly independently with their own individual brands. brands. However, later that month, Iceland Air did actually decide to drop out last minute and not take over the airline and that led to on the same day the 29th of November the same actual day the airline company Indigo Partners did agree to buy the airlines although they did do this with a means of cutting down on staff from 1360 to just 1000 so that's quite a a big loss of jobs and also dropping their less popular routes However, then in March 2019, Indigo Partners actually withdrew operations with Wow Air. And later at the end of the month, Wow Air did sadly announce that they were ceasing operations, leaving thousands of passengers stranded again. And the loss of the airline was actually a big loss for Iceland's tourism and also their fishing dependency, which they are famous for. Now, Iceland is a place I've always wanted to go and see, go to. I've also always wanted to go to Reykjavik see the Northern Lights and visit the Blue Lagoon. And it would have been really great to, to use such a low cost carrier. But I do look forward to main, mainly, hopefully, if I do decide to visit Iceland using their national flag carrier. That would be a good review to try and talk about, hopefully in the future, after COVID, when I can visit Iceland. Fingers crossed that will happen. Now on to which I said I'd explain earlier when I was talking about Monarch, to the one of the biggest airline losses within UK history. Bigger than the BMI loss, bigger than the... Was it Monarch that I said was the biggest or was it BMI? I'm not sure. But it's totally bigger than BMI and Monarch, and that is Thomas Cook Airlines. Founded as part of the Thomas Cook Group, that also had travel agents and they were actually tour operations the airline was both a chartered and scheduled airline that served to many holiday destinations worldwide from the uk and flew on average around six to seven million passengers a year with bases in manchester stansted gatwick and newcastle and many more in the uk the airline had a fleet of 32 aircrafts including the a321 and the bigger a330 and in the past actually flew the Boeing 757 and 767. So their main market was holiday destinations. Definitely popular ones were Spain, Turkey and Greece, but they did also fly long haul destinations, actually to popular destinations within the States, such as Orlando for Disney World and Universal, and also Las Vegas. And they even actually flew to hotter destinations like Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean, which would have been really interesting to fly to, actually. So in 2019, I've gone far ahead then. In 2013, the airline airline merged to form the Thomas Cook Airline Group with their subsidiaries, Thomas Cook Airlines Belgium, Thomas Cook Airlines Scandinavia, and also the German Thomas Cook Airline, which they called Condor Airlines. So in 2017, 
after this merger four years earlier. The group was actually brought by the Lufthansa Group, who actually disbanded Thomas Cook Belgium when they merged, and they merged this carrier with the popular Belgian carrier, Brussels Airlines. Then, two years later, within the downfall in 2019, this saw Thomas Cook offices eventually closed as 64% of bookings were actually being made online. And then it was announced in May 2019 that they were hopefully going to get an emergency fund of £300 million. And that followed after the loss of £1.5 billion within the first half of 2019 due to low passenger numbers. And by September, September, September 2019, rumours had actually surfaced that the airline was looking into last-minute negotiations and actually pleaded with the government for a £200 million rescue fund. Unfortunately, this was rejected as the UK actually didn't want to intervene. I'm guessing they thought it was too late for the airline to actually intervene and spend money on them. So then on the 23rd of September 2019, UK airports started to impound Thomas Cook aircrafts that were already at the airport or already flying back and landing at UK airports. And this was due to the lack of providing airport charges that they needed to pay. And about 2am that morning after all these aircrafts were impounded, the Civil Aviation Authority actually announced that Thomas, the Thomas, Thomas Cook Group had actually gone into liquidation, leaving a staggering 600,000 passengers stranded overseas. But eventually they were helped out by EasyJet and Virgin and even Malaysian Airlines chartering out their aircraft to get the passengers home safe. I do remember seeing videos of these Thomas Cook passengers like loving life within a Malaysian Airlines A380. That would have been amazing. But it is such a shame losing the Thomas Cook Air Group, Airlines and Group as they have been around for quite a few years since 1841, which is ages over, that's got to be about, I'd say about 170 something years they had been around. And I wish I had flown them just before their collapse as I took a trip to Gran Canaria within 2019 in the summer. And it was either Thomas Cook or Tui. And in the end, I did actually decide to fly Tui, which I'm sort of regretting. Although it's a great holiday, I would have loved to have flown Thomas Cook while I did have the chance. But we move on, unfortunately. So finally, one of my favourite airlines that I was really sad to see go, and that is Flybe. Now, I flew the airline many times to the Channel Islands. As I said, I have some family there. And also, I took Flybe when visiting Belfast. I like to take random trips, so I just went to Belfast for the day as I'd never been to Northern Ireland. That was the place I really wanted to go. And also when I went to Amsterdam back in 2018, I flew with Flybe. Now, Flybe was a regional carrier founded in 1979 and was first called Jersey European Airways until about 2002. So the airline was mainly flying from the Channel Islands to main UK airports. However, within the future, the airline expanded their route network, flying to destinations within the UK and even venturing out to destinations in France, Austria, Germany and even Luxembourg. They had a small fleet of 63 aircraft that consisted of the Embraer 175 and also the propeller plane, the de Havilland-8400. 
So at its peak time, Flybe actually flew around 7 to 8 million passengers a year. And in 2006, a successful move, Flybe actually brought the British Airways subsidiary airline, BA Connect, that was serving domestic and European routes, also from London City Airport as well. So with that merger, it actually made Flybe the largest regional airline within Europe. And in two and two years later, they actually Flybe actually made a franchise agreement with Scottish airline Logan Air, and that may, meant that Flybe would have its colours used on the Logan Air aircrafts when flying when the Logan Air, aircraft Logan Air aircrafts were flying around about 55 Scottish routes. So that was really good for their branding, actually. However, unfortunately, nine years later, in 2017, Logan Air actually terminated their agreement with Flybe, and Flybe decided to then partner with UK airline Eastern Airways, flying competitive, competitively, I can never say that word, against Logan Air to many Scottish destinations. But I do think Flybe actually came out on top on that one, because... I'm not sure. I never really heard of Logan Air until about two, three years ago, but I do really want to fly Logan Air at some point. So in 2018, it was announced that Flybe was actually looking to sell the airline as a business as part of their new strategy review. This eventually was sold to the airline group Connect Airways Group for a massive £2.2 billion. So this is the group that also owns, owns Virgin Atlantic and Stobart Air. And with the new purchase of Flybe, there was plans for Stobart Air to cease operations and merge with Flybe and just become one airline called Virgin Connect, being with the Virgin Atlantic Group. So by early 2019, the sale was actually completed and by October that year, Flybe was branded as Virgin Connect, although their aircrafts weren't actually branded Virgin Connect at the time, they were still Flybe. And that was due to come into effect within early 2020. However, unfortunately, the airline actually announced that they did have financial difficulties within early 2020, even though they did have funding from Connect Airways. And in February 2020, the UK government actually gave Flybe an £100 million rescue loan. But unfortunately, this did not actually rescue the airline. And on the 5th of March 2020, the airline filed for administration and ceased operations immediately due to the poor financial support and also the impact that the start of COVID-19 was having on passenger numbers as it was sort of only just not only just starting so sort of it was quite big within Italy and Asia at the time but then it was impacting passenger numbers all over the place at, right before lockdown which was coming about three weeks later I think. So I do remember hearing the news back in 2020 last year and I was so gutted about about the loss of the airline but also gutted for the staff. Like I remember always flying with Flybe and the crew were just so friendly and they provided just such a great service and I think the sale with Connect Airlines and the startup of Virgin Connect with Virgin Group being quite popular if that did take place I think it would have been such a popular regional airline and with the success of US mergers, I think it would have been a really main competitor within the European regional market. So it is really sad to see such a big opportunity go just due to the pandemic and financial difficulties. 
but hopefully within the future we can get more regional airlines or various low-cost airlines such as Ryanair and EasyJet may take on those routes and merge together. You never know, we'll see what happens within the future. So that concludes our discussions of the airlines that we have lost over the past 10 years. And to be honest, that isn't even half of them. So let me know if there is a favourite airline that you want me to cover, as I did really enjoy researching into these airlines. And unfortunately, that is the end of this week's episode. So thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you can join me next week for episode four, where I'll be discussing again the most recent aviation and travel news. And our topic of discussion, where I'll be looking into one of the worst aviation disasters in recent history, and that is the Tenerife disaster. And this involved two Boeing 747s. One was from KLM and the other was from American airline Pan Am. So I really look forward to discussing this as there are so many reasons behind why this crash actually happened. So I look forward to seeing you next week. So I'm Ebony, this is Up in the Sky, and I hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Up in the Sky. New episodes will be posted every Wednesday. Follow at Up in the Sky Aviation Podcast on Instagram for information and updates. Hope you all have a great week.